joy and the promises of God will be in Genesis chapter 21 and, uh, and verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. And she also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. May God bless the reading of his word today is my prayer. You may be seated. <clears throat> Abraham was 75 years old when God appeared to him to promise him a land and a son. Uh, technically, he promised him a whole nation. Uh, that out of his son, out of his uh, children would be born an incredible nation. Uh, and he did that when he lived in a pagan city named Ur. Uh, when he had no children and, in fact, had not been able to have children. But today's message finds Abraham then enjoying that long-awaited promise of God. After 25 years, finally the birth has occurred and Isaac has come. This was a long time coming. Uh, it looked iffy from the start when you think about it. He was 75 years old when God said that you're going to have a great nation come out of you and then in you shall all of the nations of the world be blessed. Uh, there were times when Abraham and Sarah uh, walked in faith and experienced victory, even though the promise seemed to be far away. There were times when they felt like they had to do something. Something to get this thing going. I mean, God was counting on them, and they just had to get something done, and of course, uh, what they got done was a terrible defeat that cost them and the world ever since. But now he's living out the truth of 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, where the Lord said in another context here, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. Uh, what looks as if God is being kind of slovenly maybe about keeping his promises. What might look to us as if God is, is not getting things done the way that we would expect him to or the way we would like him to, we might count it as slackness. But, oh no, God is not slack concerning his promises. Our God is an on-time God. Uh, he is never, ever late. He's seldom early. He's always right on time. Our God is an on-time God. But for us, living down here in this moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, life that we all live, to us, 25 years is a long time to wait. 75 to 100 might be a little difficult for us to, count, to reckon, but let's imagine for a moment that God appeared to us and made us a promise when we we're 25 years old. We're a young married couple. We've got a couple of three kids, uh, four, three, uh, three, uh, two, no, two, two, a couple of, couple of kids. When we're 50, our kids are grown in college, maybe married themselves. 
maybe already given us grandchildren. 25 years is a long time. It's, it's a lifetime in a way. It's not all of our life, but it's a, it's a big, big part of our life. We'd be in the prime of life at 25. <laughs> at 50, we've got a lot more years behind us than we've got ahead of us. We call it middle age, but uh, not many of us make it to 100 But Abraham did. But still, those 25 years was a long time. And in a way, though, Abraham's experience is our experience because God promises us a new creation when we believe in Jesus Christ where old things pass away and all things become new. And yet we live a lifetime experiencing that promise. A lifetime of Struggling sometimes with bad habits, with making bad mistakes and bad choices, with experiencing times of great victory and then also experiencing those times of the agony, the crushing agony of defeat. And yet God has promised us a new creation in Christ Jesus. God has promised us a mansion in His Father's house. In my Father's house, He said, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. And yet we will live out our life, most of us, die. And that promise will still not have been fulfilled. God promised Abraham a land. But the fact is, he's going to live out his life and the only piece of property that is ever going to have his name on a deed to is his burial plot. He's promised him a son and in a way even that son is, is, is not the fulfillment because you see the seed of Abraham was looking on ahead to Jesus Christ and Abraham would see his day. Jesus told us that but he would die without ever actually seeing the Messiah born. You see, in a way, Abraham's experience is our experience. God makes promises to us, and he is not slack concerning his promises. But we go through a lifetime, and even look beyond into the life that is ahead from time into eternity. Know that we're going to be walking around on streets paved with gold before we see some of those promises fulfilled. Abraham's experience of waiting... For the promises of God in a way is our experience. But now Abraham and like us, we do the same thing. Even while we're waiting on those ultimate fulfillments of the promises of God, uh, still God blesses us. God uses us. God does incredible things in our life. There's those special times when we get to see God's purposes and God's promises playing out in our life. And we get to experience that time then when God works in us and He changes us and He uses us. So that we can say, you know, I'm not what I'm going to be. I know what God has promised and I'm not there yet. But bless God, I'm not what I used to be. Amen? I mean, we see the the promises of God. We experience on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis the blessings of God. We are a blessed people. Just like Abraham was experiencing those blessings of God. And when we're living by faith, we don't see ourselves so much then as being successful. 
as we see ourselves blessed. And so this morning, when we're experiencing the blessings of God, when we're living out those long-awaited promises of God, when God is working and God is blessing, what do we do? Our text shows us several things. Uh, first of all, very obviously, they gave God the glory. When we're being blessed of God, then we need to say, praise God. And that's what they did. Verse 1, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did who? The Lord. The Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken unto him. The Lord visited. The Lord did. Right up front then, they give all of the glory to God. And rightly so. Because Isaac's birth was a miracle from the Lord. And Isaiah tells us something in Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 8 that we need always to keep in mind about these blessings of God that we experience and enjoy. God said, I am the Lord, that is my name and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. You see, when we're experiencing the blessings and the provisions of God and God is working in our life and God is blessing us, it is very, very easy for us, maybe only in our heart, to worm our way in there and start taking credit for what God's actually done. It's hard to be a hundred-year-old Abraham and not walking around saying, Hey, look at me. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I, I do it come through. I do it get there. Uh, we don't see a hint of that in Abraham because he knew that what had happened was a miracle from Almighty God and God deserved all the credit and God deserved all the glory and all the praise for what He and He alone had done. God help us not to ever allow even a hint of look what I have done into these blessings that we have experienced. Uzziah Uzziah was a good king in Israel. He was. He took the throne at the age of 16. His father Amaziah was a wicked man who had turned his heart away from the Lord and done his best to turn the nation away from the Lord. He had done a pretty good job of it. But Amaziah was taken out of the throne and the people made his son Uzziah throne, the king when he was 16. He labored under the influence of the prophet Zechariah who taught him how to seek after the Lord. And the Bible says as long as he sought the Lord, he was blessed. If you look sometime in 2 Chronicles 26, you'll see it verse after verse after verse after verse devoted to all of the great things that good king Uzziah did. While he was seeking God and God responded. While he was calling out to God and God blessed him and God used him. He invented marvelous things. He had great blessings, great things that happened. It was like everything he put his hand to flourished. But then in verse 16 of 2 Chronicles 26, the Bible tragically said, But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Now, Zechariah had taught him how to seek the Lord. He was a prophet. He was already king, and he decided he wanted to be a priest too. 
There was only one. It was going to be all prophet, priest, and king. And that was the Messiah. It was not his place to take that unto himself. But in his pride, he went in and, and in the temple and began to offer incense. And the, the priests rushed in. A hundred priests rushed in and cried out and said, No, king, don't do this. Stop. And in his anger, he reached out his hand, no doubt, to call for their death. <laughs> and his hand was struck with leprosy. And they carried him out a leper. And that good king died a leper. He's famous because Isaiah introduced that famous encounter with the Lord in Isaiah chapter 6 in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw also the Lord. Uzziah was a good man, a good king. God blessed him and blessed him and blessed him and blessed him. But the Bible says when he was strong, when he was at his peak, not when he was 16 years old, but after he had reigned and grown to maturity and now he's strong and he's done mighty things. And his heart was lifted up with pride and it laid him low. We don't see that with Abraham. Not a bit of it. Maybe it was that last ditch effort that we saw last week when he ended up down into the land of the Philistines and living in King Abimelech's house and lying about his wife again. Maybe Abraham had realized how easy it is to go from living in faith to living in the flesh. Maybe that last reminder reminded him of how quick we can go from living in the thrill of victory to living in the agony of defeat. I don't know what it was. But all we see in this passage is to God be the glory, great things he hath done. A hundred-year-old Abraham, 90-year-old Sarah, when they were blessed of God and experiencing his blessings in a mighty way, what did they do? <laughs> they praised God for it. They gave him the glory. And God help us today to follow their example. If we can say in our hearts and minds this morning that we are a blessed people, then God help us to always give Him the glory and give Him the praise for the blessings that we're experiencing in our life. Second thing that we see play out is they continued on in obedience. Verse 3, And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, by the way, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Now who had named Isaac? God did. We saw that back in Genesis chapter 17. And God said, No, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. Isaac, of course, means laughter. And God had commanded that Isaac would be this child's name because Abraham had laughed over the prospect of Sarah getting pregnant and Sarah herself had laughed. And so you'll say, okay, you're going to name that baby Laughter. <laughs> Laugh. And uh, so when he was born, what they name him? Abraham Jr.? No. Isaac. They did exactly 
what God had told him to do. God had prescribed at that same time the ritual of circumcision. And so Abraham did exactly again what God had told him to do. And so when Abraham was moving then in the blessings of God, he also continued to be obedient to God. And that's a big deal. King Saul was a mighty man. He was the strongest, tallest, most kingly looking man in all of Israel when he was chosen and anointed to be king. There came a time when God sent him out to deal with the Amalekites, a people who were the ancient enemies of Israel, an evil, a violent, a hateful people. They were told to wipe out everything, leave nothing, not even their livestock. Not even their pets were to remain. Nothing. They had pets. When the prophet Samuel then went out to meet Saul, returning from the victory, the first thing that Saul said to him in 1 Samuel chapter 15 was, I did exactly what God told me to do. And Samuel said, Then what is the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the cattle that I'm hearing? If you killed everything like God said, then Why are all these animals here? Well, Saul said, well, I I, I know that's what God told me to do, but I thought I would keep a few of the animals and and have a a big service when we got back and and have a big sacrifice. I was going to offer them as a sacrifice. Uh, That's when the Lord said to, through Samuel, to obey is better than to sacrifice. Saul should have obeyed. He was blessed, blessed with a mighty victory. But it was no time for him to stop obeying God. And let's understand this morning that whenever we are being blessed, whenever we're on the top side, whenever everything is going good and God is blessing us and and things are going well in life, there is a temptation that goes along with that, a temptation that would call us to turn away from our obedience to the Lord. Our failures drive us to God, but our success can actually pull us away from God. The fact is, we can get so busy enjoying the blessings that we might forget to obey God at all. It's a dangerous thing, but we don't see that with Abraham. Abraham and Sarah gave us a great example here because here they are enjoying and experiencing God's blessings. And they're continuing to be obedient to the Lord. So when we experience in God's blessings, number one, we need to be careful to give Him all the credit, all the praise, and all the glory because He deserves it. Number two, when we are blessed and we are experiencing blessing, we need to continue in obedience and don't uh, fall into the temptation of enjoying our blessings so much that we forget to be obedient. Then we see them rejoicing in those blessings. Sarah said, God has made me laugh and all who hear will laugh with me. You know, I, I sometimes believe that there's some of God's people that decided somewhere along the line that laughing was a sin. I, I don't think some of them even believe in smiling. <clears throat> I'm thankful we don't have a lot of that here. Uh, listen, the Bible says it again and again and again that we are to rejoice in the Lord and rejoicing is simply an expression of our joy. And it doesn't matter to me whether it's a shout of joy 
You've never heard anybody shout with joy? It goes something like this. So all of you folks have said, well, I ain't never heard shouting in my in unchurch in my life. Now you have. I've heard people shout a time or twice. They're just a pure shout of joy. And you know that's okay because the Bible tells us that we can do exactly that. Psalm chapter 5 and verse 11 says, Let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let these, those also who love your name be joyful in you. Rejoice. And part of the way that we express joy, of course, is through laughter. And it's a good thing. If we rejoice on the inside all the time, then we need to let it out a little more. Your wife, guys, needs to see you rejoice a little more. Uh, Your kids, ladies, need to see you rejoice a, a little bit more. Let it out. The lost world around us needs to see God's people experiencing the joy of Jesus. Here's 90 year old Sarah. You want to laugh a little bit today? Just get a picture of 90 year old Sarah waddling around big and pregnant. Then see her and a hundred-year-old Abraham trying to chase that little toddler around. You can't help but laugh. You have to smile just a little bit. And really, that's exactly what Sarah said so long ago. God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. Generations of God's people have been laughing with Sarah ever since God did this to her. So long ago. Uh, We have a lot to rejoice about. There's a lot in our world that gives us pause. There's a lot in our world that causes us to be burdened. There's a lot in our world, a lot in our families sometimes, a lot in our businesses, a lot sometimes in our jobs. We go through a lot of experiences that call us, cause us burdens and struggles and cause us to hurt and suffer. But we never live a day in our life when we're not mightily blessed of Almighty God. God blesses us. He's constantly watching over us. We experience His presence. And in His presence, the Bible says, there is fullness of joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. The world needs to see it. Sarah was rejoicing in those blessings. And the last thing we see is they shared it. Verse 7, she also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I've borne him a son in his old age. And so the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. There's a couple of different ways we can share his blessings. And one of them we've already talked about. When they rejoiced, when they experienced and expressed their joy in the Lord. And the fact that they considered themselves not to be successful but to be blessed. We call that a testimony. We testify then to the blessings of God. That's one of the ways that we share them. We testify of our salvation. Even though such testimony gets harder all the time and the world grows 
less and less appreciative of it all the time. Sometimes even openly hostile to it. But don't let them silence your testimony. Don't. We are blessed people. <laughs> and, uh, and as long as we have breath, then we can praise the Lord. So far, they're not uh, cutting our heads off for saying, thank you, Jesus. So far, they're not putting us in jail for saying, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And if they start doing it, then we keep doing it. Because I'd rather be in heaven after having praised the Lord than face God and have to say, I let the world intimidate me and silence me. And I was afraid to speak up. They had a testimony. But now we also see that Abraham is sharing his blessings in a very tangible way as he prepared a feast, a time of rejoicing uh, when the child was weaned. And, and uh, uh, they were all just rejoicing with him. It was a great feast. You see, God had brought to Abraham that fundamental principle of a life of faith. And it is that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. And it just does me good to see that Abraham was sharing those blessings and even to the point of throwing a feast for those around us. Remember what Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. You see, we don't just work to make a living for ourselves and our family, although we do. But we need to constantly remind ourselves that no matter who signs our paycheck, if you're a Christian, you work for the living Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory. And your ultimate reward is from Him. And because I'm working in order to please God and honor God, then I'm also working according to Ephesians chapter 4 so that I might have to give to someone else who has a need. And Jesus taught us that it's more blessed to what? Than to what? We've been on both sides of that. We've been the one who needed a blessing. We've been the one maybe who needed that help. And God provided it. And that was a blessing. But it's far, far more of a blessing to be on the other side. So that we have something then to share with somebody else. We have a way then that we can be a blessing uh, to someone else. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15 puts it this way. Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his names. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices God is well pleased. And we see both of those principles playing out in our text. Certainly Abraham and Sarah praised God. That was their testimony. But we also see them then sharing those blessings of God with others. But don't forget moment. When God says, don't forget. Don't forget. <laughs> he tells us that because we might be inclined to forget. Forget about sharing His blessings. You know, Abraham and Sarah were what we call today Bedouins. They raised livestock. They lived in tents. I don't know what kind of furniture they had. But I want us to take a moment to picture Sarah, 90 years old, 
She's got to sit on something, and I can't picture anything but a rocking chair, so let's just call it a rocking chair. Nursing her infant son, Isaac. And as she sits there, nursing her child, she is a walking, talking, living example and testimony to the power of God and the promises of God. What does she have to do to testify to the promises of God and the power of God? That's it. They say, well, I can see how that works for Sarah, but don't don't miss. Don't miss the fact that that you folks up there in the balcony... Y'all are living, breathing, walking, talking examples of the power of God. All of you folks down here on the floor and this guy up here behind the pulpit, we're living, breathing, walking, talking examples of the promises of God and of the power of God. All of us are. All of us could probably say in some way, Like Sarah said, who would have ever thought that I would bear a son to Abraham in his old age? Who would have ever thunk it? And all of us have had that moment, maybe a whole bunch of them, with the Lord. Who would have ever thought? That he could use me. Who would have ever thought. That I would have been the person. To lead someone else to Christ. Who would have ever thought. That I could be teaching a class. Who would have ever thought. That I could be standing up in front of people. And giving a testimony. Who would have ever thought. That I would be the one. And the thing is. We didn't think it. But God did. The Lord you see. Is not slack concerning his promises. As some men count slack. He's working in your life. He's working in mine. It all starts with being a believer. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That's how his relationship with God begins. That's how our relationship with God begins. We can talk about all the blessings and all the other things that happened. And isn't it wonderful that they had a child just like God said? Yeah, but... What's really wonderful is that they knew God. Do you? Do you? They profess their faith in Jesus Christ. They profess their faith in the Lord. We do that through baptism. Have you? They joined themselves with others in service. They led their family in the service of God as God prescribed in that Old Testament patriarchal system. But... Today, he intends for us to serve him through the church. Are are you? Do you have a church home? Have you made that commitment? 